Welcome to CEO Interviews, a production of Gorecom, in which we take the time to speak with small, small cap executives about what's going on at their companies. With us today, excited, happy to have him for the first time ever, Seti Coscarella. He's a CEO at TAT, Lifestyle and Wellness. Trades on the CSC and the stock symbol T-A-A-T, TAT. For our friends in the U.S., T-O-B-A-F. And for our friends in Europe on Frankfurt under 2, T-P-2. For those of you to the story, and it's going to be a lot of you because the company only, only started trading on June 22nd of 2020, and yet it's been received with incredible fanfare. Here's why, what you need to know. Tobacco right now is still used by 1.3 billion people around the world, but most of those people want to leave it behind because they want to get rid of the nicotine. Under the tutelage of what I call a super team over at TAT, made up of former Philip Morris International and other great people, They've developed a nicotine-free, tobacco-free smoking experience known as TAT. That's the brand, and it's already launched in the U.S. Uh, and if you're thinking about e-cigarettes and vaping, they're not the competition because they haven't been able to do the job. We'll talk about that. But what TAT's product do is they mimic the experiences of a, of a smoker without nicotine or tobacco, but they get the same great taste, the same great smell, and that's why they're already off and running. SETI. Welcome to the show, man. George, thank you for having me. That's probably the best intro anyone's ever done for me. So I think I'm good. <laughs> it's an easy intro. It's an easy intro because of what you guys have accomplished, man. It's uh, it's you. really something. And, the, and I want to jump right into you're already launched. That's amazing. Yes. You're not R&D. You're no. not product development. When did you launch? Tell everybody. And why did you start with Ohio, the great state of Ohio? Okay, so I came on in August and for a good number of months, we went through a lot more on the R&D side, getting the product right. Um, we took a look at you know a lot of the packaging because we really wanna be a CPG company. I'm not here to kind of be a, an enthusiast of a particular biomass that we use. Um, so we went through a lot of work and we did it very, very quickly and launched in market uh, towards the middle of December in 2020 so just about six seven weeks ago and i mean the response in the beginning has been tremendous uh we've seen a lot of repeat purchase coming in already we've seen a ton of reviews online from people who are trying it for the first time and really really like it so i think that overall the opportunity for us is immense and you know more importantly i think we've delivered a product to the market that consumers like and will use and more than just lip service, your chief revenue officer, his name is Tim Corkum. He was a former commercialization executive for Philip Morris International. That's right. So this isn't George and a couple of business guys getting together saying, let's see if we can sell some product. And this no. is what he had to say. I love this quote. Out of all the tobacco category products I've worked with, TAT is an outlier in terms of the level of demand it has in early stages. I've launched dozens of new tobacco products across brands across Canada and the Caribbean. And while many of the new products were reordered by retailers in the first several weeks on the market, none of them were reordered by anywhere near 60% of stores that initially carry them. Man, what, what do you find is the, is the reason why you're getting such outstanding uh, response where 60% of your customers uh, have reordered? Well, listen, I think the value proposition to the consumer is extraordinary. So when you start thinking about smokers, right? Because that's really what our target market is. And, and you think about what it is that they like and what they don't like about smoking. And I spent 
you know, a number of years working with thousands of smokers at Philip Morris to better understand why that is, like what it is they like, what it is they don't like, and how you might position alternative products to them to give yourself the best shot at success. And the things that I found was one, smokers hate the fact that they're addicted to anything, okay? I mean, if you were to take a look at the tobacco industry and pretend that we're the alcohol industry, everybody would be an alcoholic, right? Yeah, yeah, pretty, yeah. You're, that's it, right. And I don't think the alcohol industry would be doing anywhere what it's doing now if people kind of viewed alcohol that way. So I think that um, smokers don't really like to think of themselves that way and would prefer something where they weren't addicted. Um, two, I think the vast majority of them are looking for an alternative. So if you take a look at the vape category, for instance, right? We spent a lot of time studying the vape category. Right. Um, about 70 some odd percent of smokers have tried vape multiple times. So if you take a look at the nicotine market as a whole today, the number of smokers still outweighs the number of vapors 20 to one. But if the vast majority have tried vaping and vaping actually worked, then why is everybody still smoking? They're going back. They're going back because they prefer smoking. Now it's, it's funny when you start thinking about it, right? Like I always kind of like this thought experiment. What's the opposite of action? Nothing. The opposite of action is comfortable. Okay. Oh, okay. <laughs> right? Because if you're comfortable, you don't move. If you're uncomfortable, then you move. Smokers are uncomfortable smoking cigarettes. That's why they moved en masse. However, the thing they moved to wasn't comfortable, so they moved back because they didn't have another alternative. Doesn't mean they're still It's a totally different experience, right? It's just it's totally fundamentally different. Right. And, and there's a number of reasons for that. It's a, it's, it's a totally different experience. A hundred percent. Right. I mean, I always like the example. Okay. I like pizza. George, you like pizza? Of course. Right? Yeah. Who doesn't like pizza? But I can't have 15 slices of pizza every day for 20 years and not get sick of the taste of pizza eventually. Right. There's a taste of cigarettes that smokers enjoy. So when you kind of look at the vape side, yes, the tastes are appealing at first. The mango, the blueberry, the cucumber, they got creme brulee but I can't have 15 creme brulees every day. Eventually I get sick of creme brulee and then you end up going back to smoking because there isn't anything I can think of that someone consumes with the frequency of cigarettes and doesn't get sick of the taste. Okay. So there's that part. There's the, the whole ritual, right? Like I think that for smokers, they prefer smoking. There's something about smoking the a cigarette that putting right? a USB really stick. Is. Yeah. I mean, putting a USB stick in your mouth just doesn't cut it. No, no. Right. It looks, it looks weird. I'm not a smoker, but it looks weird. It's like, what's that guy doing? <laughs> right. It just doesn't do And it. then on top of it all, every single smoker hates the fact that cigarettes are so expensive. Yeah. Okay? The taxes, right? The taxes are the part you guys aren't subject to those taxes are. So you get a significant pricing advantage because you're not tobacco, you're not nicotine. Right, so I'll, I'll give you sort of a, a comparison in Ohio because that's where we launched first. So I've got a product that isn't addictive, that delivers a molecule that's far better than nicotine because nicotine as a drug is absolutely useless, it does nothing, okay? It does nothing other than keep you addicted. There's no yeah. efficacy to it. There's no reason you should consume it. Um, I can deliver you a better taste experience in the same format that you prefer at a price point that'll beat any cigarette in the market. So a Marlboro in Ohio right now sells for about seven bucks a pack. 
TAT retails in Ohio at $3.99. And at that price, at that price, I can achieve the same margin that any other big tobacco company would achieve selling it at $7 a pack or $8 a pack. So what does rollout look like given you have those great advantages? You're giving smokers the same experience uh, without all the, or with most, without most of the bad stuff. Uh, you're already 1.4% of all convenience and gas stations in, in Ohio. And you just started, like you said, six, seven weeks ago. Yeah. What does the rollout look like in Ohio? And then what does the rollout look out after that into the, into the U.S.? We know there's no overnight miracle, but look, no. you're already doing great reorders, 1.4% penetration. You're off to a great In what, six weeks? And Christmas and New Year's was in the middle of it. Yeah, that's when retailers do not like to change anything about what they do. If there's ever time they're not going to change, it's over Christmas and New Year holidays. They want to keep things steady and maximize right. their no, no new experiments at that time. So Exactly. That's and and there's COVID too. So let's not forget that one. Right. So I think we've done a, tre a tremendous job in the face of Christmas, New Year's, COVID, any other sort of challenge that would otherwise be faced in the market. We were able to deliver a product and start commercializing and get into a significant number of stores very, very quickly. So what does the rest of it look like? Well, for us, it's to try to get um, coverage across the vast majority, if not all, of the convenience gas channel in Ohio. And then as we start doing that, expand into other states. Now there's you know, a lot of strategic reasons why I chose Ohio. Um, it's proximity to other states that I think would also be next on our list in terms of going to. And realistically right. for us, as we start to grow and expand, and I'm sure that we'll have some announcements around this over the next little bit, but for us, it's, it's about getting distribution as quickly and efficiently as possible. Like, and, and, and what is your model there? Are you guys going direct? Are you just calling up wholesalers of tobacco and tobacco like products, even though you're not tobacco uh, directly? Do you have joint ventures? Are you going through partnerships? Maybe all of the above. What's a distribution model? It's the same distribution model that tobacco would otherwise use, right? I mean, the infrastructure is already built in the vast majority of countries, right. especially in the US. So to go out and create your own or try to reinvent it doesn't really make much sense, right? The, the roads are already there. I don't need to build new ones. I just need to drive on the same roads. And that's exactly what we're going to do. And also why we're taking a very tobacco-like approach to commercialization, because I'd say they've done quite well. So for us, it's targeting the same wholesalers that would otherwise wholesale for tobacco, getting the product distributed in the convenience channel, which is where smokers would go to buy packs of cigarettes. Yep, sure seems like it. Okay, and putting it there at a more attractive price point so that they'll at least give it a try. What's now, the feedback you're getting from uh, a lot of wholesalers right now? Uh, do they, there's one of two ways, either one, no, we don't like this, it's not the traditional tobacco product, so yep. it's not for us, or guys, we love this, it's a great alternative, we think we can really, do some damage with this. What kind of feedback are you hearing in general from the wholesalers? Well, in the beginning with any new product, you're always going to have the people that are, let's call it the early adopters, right? They think the product's great. You know what? I'll take a shot. We'll put it in the market and we'll see how it does. And then you have other people that want to see how it does before they want to start right. carrying it themselves. Because the way that the business model works is, you know, my customer and my consumer are two different people. My customer is the wholesaler. I sell to the wholesaler, the wholesaler pays us, they get the product. And then 
it's on the wholesaler to sell it through to the retail channel where my, my customers come in and they're the ones that buy it from the, or my consumers come in and they're the ones that buy it from the convenience store. So I market to my consumers, but I sell to my customers. So that's basically how the infrastructure works. And there is an enormous infrastructure that's already built. And for us, it's just an exercise in going out and tapping it. So there've been you know, quite a few distributors that wanted to take a shot in the beginning because they thought the value proposition was compelling, the margins are attractive, and they thought that it would sell based on the price point that we wanted to offer. And I think they've been rewarded because of that. Now that we've been able to demonstrate to the market that there is demand, we can get people to buy it, and then people will come and rebuy it, and stores will want to carry it. Now I think it, it really opens us up to a lot of the other wholesalers and distributors that were sitting on the sidelines waiting to see whether or not this would right. actually gain traction. And I think we proved that with our release on Friday, that absolutely it does. So how long until you think you move into your next couple of states? Uh, do you want to do you want to st still focus on Ohio just to work out kinks, use almost a bit of a test market and then move on? Or do you think you guys are pretty ready to start moving on in the near future? Listen, I think we still want to spend a bit of time in Ohio while we work out some kinks, but we can work out those kinks quickly. And then we'll start looking at expanding. So just to put it in perspective, uh, and if you spoke to Tim, he'd tell you he's launched dozens of cigarette brands. And he said, you know, typically from inception to products launched and on the shelf for a big tobacco company would take about a year. We did it in three and a half months, which is absurd. <clears throat> and we've been able to generate that repeat purchase. So I think we'll be able to move relatively quickly, but we still want to spend some time to ensure that we do all the right things. Right. So like, I'll give you an example. <clears throat> Excuse me. If you think about a smoker, right? Of which I used to be a smoker. I would go to my convenience store, I'd buy a pack of cigarettes. If they were happen to be out of that pack of cigarettes, I almost feel like I don't want to walk across the street to another convenience store, let alone drive halfway across the town to somewhere else that will have the brand of cigarettes that I want. Eventually, I'm just going to buy whatever you got. So the key to this game really is penetration. You want to get as broad a coverage as possible. That way, once you do the work of getting consumers to switch from whatever brand of cigarette they were smoking over to TAT, you don't want to make it difficult for them to find. So you want to be able to ensure that you can manage out of stocks properly, that you've got the right coverage, that you've got the right messaging out to the retailers so that when people come in and ask, they know exactly what to say. Now that stuff takes time. It doesn't take, you know, months and months, but it takes more than, you know, a couple of days. Yep. Uh, and that's the piece that we're working on now. So we're building out all of that. And as we do that in parallel, we're also starting to look at other states and getting those ready for us to then launch into so that we can start bringing, I think, TAT to a lot more smokers across the U.S. And if it's not apparent to people who are watching or listening, uh, this is why I want to dive into your team. You guys aren't you guys aren't George and his buddies who've got this great product and said, wow, it's this great product. Let's just run headfirst in the market. We're going to make a lot of money only to hit a wall 12, 24 months later because yeah. we don't understand how the construct works of the industry. Mm -hmm. That's why I think I want to introduce at that point, man, you guys have got, like it's, I call it Philip Morris International Junior, you know, the farm team between you 
and uh, and Tim Cork and Tim, a couple yeah. other people, plus some non-Philip Morris people, people in the tobacco industry. Talk to us a little bit about the kind of heavy-hitting uh, executive and advisory team that you've put together. Sure. So there's myself. I mean, I spent a number of years at Philip Morris, and I worked predominantly on uh, the reduced-risk product line called ICOS. So a lot of my work came in trying to better understand why smokers might switch from what they're currently smoking to something else. I'd say that's some pretty good experience. Yeah, that's unbelievable that trying to do right now, right? And then there's Tim Corkum, who spent 25 years across a variety of different functions, um, predominantly on the commercialization side. So he understands perfectly well how the distribution channel works, how the retail channel works, what kind of margins you should be doing, what kind of programs you're going to be running, what kind of marketing you're going to do, how you educate the retailers, how do you get them to sort of put the product in front of consumers, all the stuff that you're going to need to know as you start scaling a team. And if I can add... That's also a huge advantage because it provides a credibility. When you guys are walking into wholesalers and, and your customers, uh, the last thing you want to do is have George walk in, not understand how it works, all the elements you just mentioned, only to look stupid. And people yeah. say, yeah, I'm not going to work with those guys. They, they don't even know what they're doing. I'm not going to, I'm not even going to bother carrying their products. Is it going to fall in their face? And then I'm going to have to clean up the mess for them. So how, you know, what, what kind of great, credibility is that when you guys know your stuff and, and someone like Tim. Is exactly. A- right. I mean, it, it, it's kind of hard to negotiate when you're going in and you don't really understand the words they're using. <laughs> and it's true. A lot of people think, Oh, it's a product. We could just sell it. Uh, it's not that easy there. No, I mean, you know, the nuances you're dead. Exactly. And there's a lot of nuances in this space that can help you get to a faster commercialization and broader coverage. It's just about understanding how the system works and how to pull the right levers. Otherwise, you, you're basically stuck at a control panel and you have no idea what button does. Yeah, you're just spinning your wheels, right? If it was it's me, basically going to be George, trial and error. Amazing product. Uh, I wouldn't know. I, w- I wouldn't. You know, I would think I would know, and then yeah. I'd lose all my investors' money within 12 to 18 months because I really didn't. So that's it, a huge. Exactly, problem. George. I mean, like it's there's there's tons of great products that fail. And they don't fail because the products aren't any good. They fail because oftentimes, perhaps the management doesn't really understand how to bring this product to market in a way that's going to compel retailers to put it in front of consumers and help consumers understand that this is a product you should buy. I mean, walk through a Walmart, for instance. How many products does Walmart have? Thousands. Thousands. Do you know all of them off the top of your head? Absolutely not. Right. So not all of them are going to succeed. There's, there's a lot of effort and intricacy that goes into it. And I think that we have the right team to do it. And then on top of that, you know, we've also got a couple of advisors. One of them, uh, Michael Saxon, who was an executive at Philip Morris and Altria, the two different companies. Amazing. So when I saw the team, I said, this is a team, man. This yeah. is an all-star team. Exactly. And he's run uh, a few different markets and he understands the tobacco game. He actually started the venture capital and private equity arm for Altria. If there's ever and a guy's going to track some money to this company down the road, you would think he's going to be the guy. And then there's Kit Dietz, um, who was a board member of Lorillard. So Lorillard is a tobacco company. Uh, and for our friends in the U.S., they would probably know the brand Newport. Hey, even I know the brand Newport. Who doesn't? Yeah. That's, a, that's been around since I was a kid. Right. Newport is the second best-selling cigarette in America. And he was on the board of directors of the company that made Newport. I mean, that's, I mean, Seti, 
does that speak to the power of the product? Because you've convinced people uh, who have established careers in the in the traditional tobacco business mm. to come on either as executives and officers or advisors. Right. Should that tell people, should that give people at home the third party validation? Because people, you don't know this, but in all Agoracom interviews, when we talk to companies, there's only so much we can, we can take from the CEO in terms of, because you expect the CEO to be the most optimistic person and the third party validation is everything. Uh, yeah. Does that team of people who are putting their name to tat give you the third party validation that makes you proud and you know uh, you're, you're at least going to get a shot to succeed because of it? 100%, right? I mean, it's always great to work with smart people, especially people that have walked this path a hundred times. So being able to collectively leverage all these experiences to know what's going to work, what might not work and, you know, take the right steps quickly as you're commercializing. I mean, the, the, the wealth of experience that we have, I think is second to none. And I think you can see how it's been demonstrated. I mean, we launched a product faster than any tobacco company would launch a product. We've got it in market faster and we've got sell through faster than even the most optimistic of projections that you would have seen through what Tim did at Philip Morris. So I'd say that, that we're firing, uh, you know, on all cylinders at this point. And, and now we're really going to start to, you know, throttle the gas. So look, we could go on for an hour because there's so many elements I want to talk about, but we'll leave, we'll leave some on the table some for next time. You know, I want to talk about patents. I want to talk about the actual product itself. And the, but I, I think there's more important to get the big picture out to everybody yeah. first. Let me ask you this last question. Uh, nothing goes perfect, obviously, but if everything goes according to plan, where do you see TAT a couple of years from now? Because it, it's very important for us to talk about where a company can be in two, three years. We don't want we don't want people trading stock day to day based on what press release and where they should hold it. We're talking about building the story and where are you going to be two, three years from now? Where where what's what's the realistic goal study of of penetration uh, in in the marketplace? Look, it's a good question. Let me answer it this way. Let me tell you what happens if things don't work. Okay. There's about 400,000 stores in the U S that sell cigarettes. Okay. Let's say I get into a quarter of them, which really isn't, you know, out of this world. Okay. 25%. Wow. 25%. So call it hundred thousand stores. Let's say, a minimum order would be a carton of each. Okay. A carton of, so we have three variants. We have original, smooth, and menthol. When I mean, you can't order any less than that. So a carton of each. If each store takes a minimum order of a carton of each once a year. Okay. They order once a year. That's 300,000 cartons. No. Yeah. And that would be about 10 million, 12 million bucks with every store selling a carton of each a year. So that's the, that's, that's what the, failure that's the, fail, like. that's the failed experiment. Right. Now, not only is that the stores, and again, I'm only in a quarter of them, right? Then the wholesalers are also going to have to carry some because you don't just put product in, on the shelf and you don't have any sort of held at wholesale. So let's say wholesale also holds the same amount. Now you're at about 25 million bucks a year. 
for selling a carton a year? You think I can sell more than a carton a year? I'm pretty sure your customers are going to want more than a carton a year. Because if I'm buying it, I want more than a carton a year, right? So that's, that's what happens when it doesn't work. You're looking at about 25 to 30 million bucks a year as you start getting expansion more broadly throughout the U.S. I mean, you know, if you kind of take a look at some of the other publicly traded companies, especially the new ones, like there was one called RLX. It's a vape company out of China. Um, it just IPO'd on the New York Stock Exchange about a week and a bit. Uh, it's been, it does about 300 million in revenue. It started in 2017. It's been holding a $40 billion valuation for the last week with heavy, heavy volume. 40 billion of, on 300 million of, in sales. $300 million so in sales. You know, you could figure out what the multiple is on that. Yeah, I guess they're projecting. I guess they're projecting growth. And since you guys are going into your growth, uh, you know, I would assume I would assume you'd be growing for the next five years until you get to where you need to get to, which is beyond twenty five percent, beyond one carton. So, you guys have a high degree of confidence you're going to be succeeding. Clearly, that's that's the outlook. Well, look, I think that with the team that we have in place, especially as we start to grow it we'll be able to deliver a lot more than the bare minimum. And the example that I just outlined for you is kind of like, it, that's abject failure. I mean, for any CPG company, wow. you sell one of something in a store every year, who cares? <laughs> but I, I think I just kind of laid out what the numbers look like when you're selling one of something. If you think I can sell more than one of something a year in every store, as you start to grow, I think you see why the opportunity is so great. Yep, and and what I love about what I love about what Tad is giving small cap investors is for the first time ever, they've got exposure to that market, not the product because it's not tobacco, it's not nicotine, but it's it's the exact same construct, it's the exact same space, and we've never had that exposure ever. No, uh, and and it's it's kind of nice to have a company that's that a has a fantastic team going into an established industry and there and is already already penetrating in record time but it's also great to know you know that you're putting out a product that is uh is making it easier for smokers to 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 enjoy the habit at the end of the day it is ultimately our value proposition to the consumer with the product that we deliver we want to give consumers the freedom to choose back because you're not gonna have a physiological dependency, we're not delivering nicotine. So after a certain point, if you're not consuming nicotine, you won't be addicted to nicotine. And if I can give you the freedom to choose, that way you can decide. You wanna have a smoke, have a smoke. You don't wanna have a smoke, you don't have to have a smoke. And that way, instead of trying to put the tobacco industry on top of the alcohol industry and saying everybody's an alcoholic, can't we take the alcohol industry and put it on top of the tobacco industry? Because I yeah, think I alcohol does just fine, right? I like a scotch. I like a beer. I don't need to be an alcoholic in order to enjoy it. And I think we can provide the exact same thing to smokers by giving them a product that's fundamentally better than any cigarette they're going to smoke at a price point that's cheaper than any cigarette they're going to smoke. That's where we end it right there, Sadie. That was powerful. I love the passion, but on top of the passion, I love the fact that you guys have the brains and the jockeys and the product to succeed. So you put all those together Man, the next, the next 12, 24, 36 months for Tat's going to be great. And I can't wait to have you back on again because this is one of the best interviews we've done in a long time. George, my pleasure. I'll be happy to come on whenever you have me. For everyone at home, 
you've been watching or maybe even listening by podcast on Spotify, Apple, Google to Seti Coscarella. He's CEO of TAT Lifestyle, T-A-A-T. Uh, trades on the CSE under that symbol, T-A-A-T, TAT for friends in the US, T-O-B-A-F for friends in Europe on Frankfurt under two, TP2. Now this is the part where you got to do your due diligence and we're in the unique situation that we just engaged with the company uh, not even not even 16 hours ago. So on Agoracom, we're not set up yet for you to do your due diligence. That'll happen by the end of the week. In the meantime, here's what I want you guys all to do. Go to the company's website, tatglobal.com, T-A-A-T global.com. I went there to do my due diligence and uh, man, amazing information, amazing information, amazing visuals, uh, everything you need to make your assessment, uh, get up to speed, start learning about the company, do your due diligence. Don't say we didn't tell you. So have a great day. Talk to you next time.